He is an awesome God. He is ever worthy of our worship to receive all of our praise. Praise God. Let's all stand this morning. Let's continue to remember one another in prayer. We're praying for our city, our county. We're praying for uh, the lost at our workplaces, our family members. We certainly don't want to stop doing that, but let's also continue to remember one another. As we fight this fight, as we move forward in the will and in the plan of God, uh, we are going to encounter challenges, opportunities for growth, and uh, sometimes those challenges, certainly when we're in the middle of them, can seem overwhelming, and uh, we need one another. I want us to remember specifically this morning, uh, Brother and Sister Bell, uh, she's not here with us this morning, she's with Brother Bell, uh, she said that she'd explain to me more in detail what's going on, but uh, right now they need our prayers. And uh, that is that is the man of God. And we need to continue to uplift and uh, pray for that man, for Sister Bell. They did a great work here. Amen. They were faithful to the, the plan of God for their lives. And they need our support now. They've given it for years. Amen. So let's pray for them. Let's undergird them. Let's pray for our service this morning. God has a plan for us here today. He has a plan for this church body. He has a plan for your families. He has a plan for you as an individual. Praise God. Lord Jesus, I am so thankful for you, for your so great salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness to us and to your word. When we were unfaithful, you have always been altogether faithful. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your so great salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for your daily salvation, for your daily provision, for all that you have done, are doing, and will do for us. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever we have need of today, you are the answer. We pray for one another, that you would undergird them with strength, that you would encourage them in the Lord their God. We pray specifically this morning for Brother and Sister Bell. We don't know the specific situation. You do. I pray, O God, that you would work mightily, wondrously, miraculously in this situation. Hallelujah, Jesus. That you would turn this situation around for good. We're praying for a miracle. We're praying for a miraculous God to do what only you can do. Hallelujah, Jesus. We pray for our service this morning, that you administer to each person within the sound of my voice, both present and online, that you would meet with them, that they would hear the voice of the Lord their God speaking to them, that they would hear and understand the word of the Lord and submit themselves unto it as unto you. And above all else, Lord, that your great and mighty name would be glorified in our midst today. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for praying. You can be seated. Amen. Just a a friendly reminder before we get started, we're going to spend an extra 15 minutes on this service.
uh, and every service from now till Jesus comes. Amen. <laughs> or he takes me. And then, uh, then we don't have to worry about that either way. Amen. So, <clears throat> continuing on with the new covenant. Last week we spoke on prayer. This week we're going to speak on fasting. It's an exciting topic that everybody loves. Amen. Everybody loves to fast. <laughs> Just can't get enough of it. Amen. Matthew 6, chapter 16 through 18 says this. <clears throat> Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head, and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. All right, so, continuing with the general theme, we're using, or Jesus here is using the Pharisees as kind of a counterpoint, uh, as what not to do. Hate to be in that position. <clears throat> it's been said that uh, everybody has something to teach, if only what not to do. Uh, I, I'd rather be able to teach something else. But in any case, it's true. Everybody can teach us something. Pharisees are teaching us what not to do. Uh, their idea, of course, was the act itself. I'm abstaining from food. That's what was commanded. I'm abstaining from food. Check it off. I did it. It's done. But they went a step further. They wanted everybody else to know that it was checked off and that it was done. And so... Uh, Jesus, again, is exhorting us that the idea is not just to abstain from food. There's a reason we're doing that. And it's that reason, that motive that we're going to speak about this morning. Isaiah 40 and 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Now, there is a period in an eagle's life. Sometimes it happens more than once, but an eagle will, they'll start looking a little bit worse for wear. Their talons will be a little bit dull. Their beaks will be a little bit chipped and, and broken. Their feathers will be mottled. And so what they will do at some determined point is they're, they're going to fly up into a, a, a high cleft in a rock somewhere. They're going to pick off their feathers. They're going to grind off their talons. They're going to grind off their beak. And they're just going to sit there. They'll drink enough water to survive, but they're just going to sit there. They're fasting. And when they reemerge, it's a beautiful thing. They have brand new, beautiful feathers. They have brand new sharp talons. They have a brand new beak. They've been completely regenerated. They've been completely restored. And the analogy is that with us, fasting is very much the same way. 
We're going to talk about some of the physical aspects, benefits of fasting, uh, what happens during a short, middle, extended fast, generally speaking. And there are definitely health benefits to fasting. But the benefits that we're interested in this morning are the spiritual. And certainly in the spirit, we can get to a place where we're a little bit beaten down. We're a little bit rougher on the edges, as it were. And a period of fasting is a great way to regenerate ourselves spiritually. It's not going to do much for your energy levels. It's not going to do much for your uh, your attitude, probably. A lot of people get a little bit ornery, a little bit cranky, certainly in the initial phases of fasting. But in the spirit, a lot is happening. A lot is taking place. And at the end of that fast, at the end of that period, we become new creatures, ready again to face the battle. Fasting is defined by dictionary.com as, quote, to abstain from food, to eat very little, or abstain from certain foods, especially as a religious discipline. That sounds like something the Pharisees would have written. Uh, and it's not wrong. I mean, it's, it's definitely, that is an aspect to it. <clears throat> but fasting under the new covenant really means dying. It's an act of crucifying the flesh so that we can grow stronger spiritually. Okay, what fasting is not? Fasting is not a diet. It's not a way to lose weight. Okay, that's not why we fast. We can't call a fast uh, because we've missed a couple meals because we were too busy doing something else. Well, maybe the Lord will give me credit for that. Again, that's that's not the point. Abstaining from food is a very small part of it. Fasting is not a hunger strike to get God to do what we want. Okay, and and I hear this enough, and it it makes me cringe a little bit. I I hope I understand what they're trying to say, but I'm just going to fast until Jesus answers my prayer. <clears throat> and I'm like. I hope what you mean is, I'm going to fast until I discern the will of God in this situation. That's what I hope they mean. And that's, that's perfect. That's a great answer. But if they're seeking a specific answer, and I'm just going to keep fasting until he tells me yes, uh, well, that's, I think you're going to break that fast. And at least I hope so. Because <laughs> that's not what fasting is. God's not going to change his mind just because I'm on a hunger strike. Fasting doesn't change God's mind, it changes me. It gets me in tune with what God is wanting to do. It helps me to hear the voice of God more clearly and discern his will and direction for my life more perfectly. And with that understanding, fasting also gives me a, a proper attitude, a proper heart to submit to that. That's what fasting does. Why do we fast? First, we're commanded to. Matthew 19, chapters, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 to 15, says this. 
Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. Then shall they fast. Jesus is assuming that that's going to take place. In our scripture text, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18, it says, Moreover, when ye fast. Not if, but when. It's assumed that we are going to. This is not something that's optional. It goes hand in hand with prayer. Prayer is not optional. It is something that we have to engage in. If we are going to live for God at all, let alone effectively, we are going to have to tap into his strength. We're going to have to sit before him and receive from him what we need. That's what prayer does. Fasting goes hand in hand with that. Fasting accelerates that. Fasting moves us closer into the, to the presence of God. And having entered into the presence of God, it helps us to receive more perfectly and more, more completely what God is wanting to, to do for us. And so prayer and fasting together are very, very powerful. Fasting by itself is a diet. Prayer by itself is good, but together they are miraculous. Together they are potent. And Jesus even said, there are some things that can only happen through prayer and fasting. Both together. Amen. So, Understanding that, understanding that when we pray and fast, that things are going to take place in our lives that can't take place in any other way. There are situations that we face that will not be resolved except by prayer and fasting. It is important that as a Christian we understand the importance of fasting. I know it's not fun. Believe me, I do. But it's something that we have to engage in. And the more we engage in it, I, I say that kind of, kind of tongue-in-cheek, uh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And it gets better the more you practice it. We fast because we want more of God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Seeing... Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Fasting helps us to lay aside those weights and defeat those sins that do so easily beset us. The analogy here is so poignant because as a runner, if you've ever engaged in running, I had to, in my youth, <laughs> in the military, I hated it. I hated every step that I took. But I did it. After I got out, I thought, well, you know, I've done it for so long, I should just keep, keep it up. So I don't, that didn't last. I tried it a few times, and I like riding bikes. Shepherd, riding bikes is good. I, I can do that. Yeah, most of the day. I can do it most of the day. But uh, running, no. But in any case, 
when you do run. You don't want a backpack on. You don't want boots. You don't want a rifle. <clears throat> you want as little weight as possible. You want to be streamlined. I don't want to carry anything because I have to run. So the more I can throw off, the more ballast I can get rid of, the better off I'll be, the longer I'll be able to go. Fasting helps me to do that in a spiritual sense. When we get laden down by cares and by doubts and by fears, and we start picking these things up and trying to run with them, it's hard. It's hard to live for God when I'm struggling with all of these things. But through prayer and fasting, I can let those things go. I can let go of my fears and my doubts. I can let go of those, those things that I'm struggling with. And it becomes so much easier to run. Luke 9, 23 and 24 says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Again, the analogy is that fasting is more than abstaining from food. Fasting is, in a spiritual sense, dying to self. It is setting aside our own desires, our own needs. We've got to eat. If I fasted for 40 years... At some point in there, I'm dead. Right? Forty days, I mean, that's biblical. That, that can happen, but for, you know, two months past that, we start entering into start. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Any case, I gotta eat. At some point, we gotta eat. That's a, that's a, that's a necessity. We have to eat. But, for a period of time, we're setting aside that legitimate need for something greater, for a greater need, a spiritual need. The flesh is in charge and it wants to stay in charge. Now, I think when we were talking about uh, the older covenants, the, the Old Testament covenants, we talked about the fact that right after, before the fall, we were created in a specific order. The spirit inside of us was to be in charge. That part of us that had communion with God, that had fellowship with our Creator, was in charge. We received directions from God, and our spirit made sure that those things took place. Our soul, our intellect, that part of us, was then subservient to our spirit. And our intellect, its purpose was to craft ways, design ways to obey God. And then the body was the lowest part of us. It was to carry out orders. And that was it. After the fall, that got flipped around. The spirit was dead. There was no spirit. It died because of sin. Now the flesh is in charge. And the soul, our intellect, our cunning, that became subservient to the flesh. And now it crafts ways to satisfy our lusts. That's the fallen nature. So what we need to do is make sure our flesh understands it's not in charge anymore. It was, 
But when we were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, when he regenerated us and brought us to life again, that got flipped back the way it was supposed to be. The problem is, the flesh is not redeemed. It will not be redeemed. It is still fallen. It is still sinful, fallen flesh. And it will try at every possible moment to rise back up and reassume, reassert control. It wants to be in charge. And it will do anything it can to get there. And so that's one reason fasting is sometimes so difficult is because in moments of weakness, in moments where our flesh is calling the shots, it doesn't want to fast. It doesn't want to abstain from anything that it wants. And what's very interesting about the flesh is almost exclusively the things that it really craves and desires are the things that will destroy it. I don't crave kale. I don't crave spinach leaves. What I crave is a, is a Big Mac, a double whopper with cheese, a pizza. Those are the things that I really enjoy eating. But the brownies are good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But if I lived on a diet of Big Macs and brownies, if I were still alive, I wouldn't be looking very good. That would take me out fairly quickly. And so, but that's what the flesh desires. And in a, in a more extreme case, alcoholics, drug addicts, they crave those things. Their flesh craves those things, even though it's going to kill them at some point. The flesh won't stop. And so, fasting puts the flesh on notice. I hear you. I hear you screaming, but the answer is no. Not today. I'm in charge. The Spirit of God is in charge here, not you. All we have to do to prove this point is don't feed your flesh for a few days. See what happens. You will find out pretty quick that it wishes to remain in charge. But fasting will break the power of your flesh, and it will give strength and power to you spiritually. Amen. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 3 through 14. This is a little bit lengthy, but we're going to read through it. This talks about fasting in a way that's not seen anywhere else in Scripture. It's an excellent passage of Scripture. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul, is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? 
Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to write upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. In this passage of Scripture, we find some interesting situations. The people of Israel were angry that their sacrifice was not accepted by God. They somehow felt that we did this, we were obedient, give me something in return, give me my reward. It's almost like the, 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 the spirit of Cain. Cain gave his sacrifice. It was an improper sacrifice. And the Lord didn't accept it. He didn't sacrifice to the Lord properly. And so the Lord said, no, I, I will not accept this. It was done. I can only imagine with good motives. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But it was done incorrectly. When the man reached out and tried to steal the Ark of the Covenant, he didn't do that with any evil intention. He did that for the very best intention. But he was wrong in doing so. It was not his to touch. He wasn't a Kohathite. And so, we have to do things for God properly. And there's a reason for that. It's not because God is OCD. It's not because God is neurotic. That's not it at all. There's a proper order to things. God is a God of order. He's a God of law. And He has established for us 
proper procedure in doing things. If we are to enter into covenant with him, he established the procedure for it. We need to repent. We need to be baptized in Jesus' name. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. There's a reason for that. Not the, the topic of this study. But there's a reason for that. That we need to incorporate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we offer sacrifice to God, it needs to be a sacrifice acceptable to God. I can't just offer my junk, my leftovers, and expect him to bless that. God is worthy of our very best. He's worthy of our first fruits. And that's what he requires of us. Why? One possible answer may be because he gave us his first fruits. He gave us everything. You and I, we're all he thinks about. Everything he does, says, is for our benefit. So he's not asking too much when he wants our first fruits. That's not just tithes and offerings. That's our time. That's our talent. That's our attention. But the Israelites were angry. They felt slighted. They thought themselves worthy of some reward from God in return for their awesome act of service that they performed for God. I did all this stuff, and he didn't even notice. When they didn't receive anything from God whatsoever, not even recognition, they were offended. They were offended. The fact of the matter is, Jesus said this. He doesn't... When we do something for the Lord in proper context... He runs and he pours blessing out upon us for our obedience. He does. But at the end of the day, we are unprofitable servants, doing that which is required of us. There is no way that we can earn any good thing from God. There is nothing we can do, there is nothing we can say that would give us a just reward. The only just reward we have coming is eternal damnation. That's the only thing we have coming just. Everything else is God's grace and his mercy and his love that is poured out freely upon us. And he delights to do that. We don't have to be scared that, that somehow that's going to be shut off and and. Every breath that I breathe is is it's hanging on a on a razor's edge. You know, if he changes his mind someday, I'm dead. I'm uh, I'm cursed. I'm doomed. That's not ever going to happen. God will never change his mind about you. He will always love you, and he will always 
do everything he can to pour out his very best for you. The problem he has is that sometimes he can't because he will not reward disobedience. He will not reward arrogance or pride or vanity. He won't. He can't. Just like I can't reward bad behavior in my children, I want to do good things for my kids, but sometimes I just can't. My parents were the same way. They wanted to do good things for me. But sometimes I just didn't let them. I did stupid things. I was a kid. Kids do stupid things. So on the one hand, let's cut our kids a little slack because that's what they do. They do. Teenagers do teenager things. <clears throat> They'll grow out of it. Be patient. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did. Amen. New converts. We'll do stupid things. We did. At least I did. I said stupid things. I felt stupid things. I did stupid things. But little by little, we grow out of it. Anyway, that has nothing to do with this. <clears throat> when we do something for the Lord, we can expect a reward, but not because we've earned it, but because God said he would. If we do things properly, if we submit to him and we obey him, he promised us blessing. He promised us something in return for that, but we can never earn that. He promised us that because it is his good pleasure to do so, and we can't forget that. So when we do something for the Lord, and that blessing doesn't come, or it's delayed. We don't have to get angry with God. We don't have to get confused or, or weirded out by it. We just have to accept the fact that I'm still going to submit to God. I still love Him. It's still the right thing to do. He saved me. He filled me with His Spirit. He gave me His name in water baptism. I really can't in good conscience, expect more. I receive so much more because he's good and his mercy endures forever. But I'm not going to sit there in judgment and start demanding things. Not at all. Why did God not accept them? Because they didn't fast aright. They didn't fast to God. They fasted for their own pleasure. They fasted to exact their lusts. First and foremost, we fast to please God and to see His will done. In everything we do as Christians, it's God first. We're somewhere down here. God first. Our families. Our spiritual families. Everyone else. Us. That's how it is. Why? Because that's how it was for Jesus when he was here. He is our perfect example. 
He put everybody else first. And himself dead last. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. That's why he came. So concerning fasting, it's not always the funnest thing in the world, but it's a duty that's required of us. And when we perform that duty obediently and we submit ourselves to that, God blesses us in return. He blesses us physically with health. He blesses us spiritually with power. And all the while, it's benefiting us. This benefits us, folks. It doesn't benefit God. God doesn't need to fast. He's already as spiritual as he's going to get. We're not. There's no weights or sin that God needs to lay aside. We do. The Israelites stopped eating, but they still satisfied their lusts as much as ever. The physical act was fulfilled, but the spiritual and internal qualities of the fast were simply not present. The reason for the fast was never there. They stopped eating, but they still did everything else the same way. God demonstrates to them what an acceptable fast is. It's not to show everyone how much you're suffering. We are not to, oh, I'd love to, brother, but I'm fasting today. Please pray for me. It's so hard, but I, with the will, with the help of God, I can, I can get this done. I can get through this. Now, if someone asks you point blank, yeah, tell them. I'm fasting. I'd, I'd rather not eat right now. Nothing wrong with that. But <laughs> don't go on and on and on about it. It's just not necessary. That guy's not going to be able to help you. He's not going to be able to give you anything for your fast. So, we're fasting as unto the Lord. It is performed in the physical. Okay? We stop eating. That's not a spiritual act. That's a physical act, right? We stop eating food. But the reason we're stopping the intake of food is not just to stop eating. There's a reason we're doing that. And those reasons are spiritual. One of the things Jesus tells us, what happens in an acceptable fast, is that we are ministering to the needs of others in the midst of our own needs. We are temporarily denying our own needs so that we are free to minister to someone else's needs. How many times did Jesus do that? A lot. A lot. So he's asking us to do the same. And this is a mark of maturity. This is not something we can expect from a new convert. 
I don't expect my four or five year old to minister to my needs. I expect that the four and five year old is going to be a four and five year old. But a spiritually mature Christian, they are going to minister to others' needs. Even though I have needs of my own that aren't being met right now. And that doesn't mean just eating. That means I have a spiritual need that I'm suffering through right now. I have, I have a situation in my life that I need an answer. But there's someone else here that, that has a need as well. And I'm feeling that. And I want to help minister to that need. So I'm going to, I'm going to forego this for a while. I'm going to, I'm going to set that aside for a little while and I'm going to focus on this person.